0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. All right, well, welcome to our Body of Miracles series. We're just Believing God for Mighty Miracles uh, I prayed for a lady's eye in the front, and she has an irritation in her eye, and it was she couldn't look down without severe pain. She got healed. She can now see very well. Is that still true? Yeah, still good? Yeah, the pain is leaving. We're seeing, we're seeing miracles at the altar. That's the only one I know about because that's the only one I prayed for. So there's probably more. Anyway, but we're in this series because I had a growing discontentedness in my heart for the lack of Jesus-sized miracles in my life. I started to go, wait a minute. Jesus said in John fourteen twelve that whoever believes in him will do the same mighty works he does and even greater. And I'm like, I'm not even doing the works he did. How am I supposed to do the greater? You know, I just started having a discontentedness in my heart, a righteous discontentedness. Amen? I was righteously aggravated. That's what I call that. With myself, with my life. Like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be doing the same miracles Jesus did, you know? So I need to be practicing walking on water, all that. I'm just, you know, being a little funny, but seriously, we're supposed to do these things. That's John fourteen twelve, if you want to look that up. But the whole thing about it is if we are Christ's body, then we must be a miraculous body. If you are Christ's hands and Christ's feet the body of Christ, then you must be a miraculous body. You can't claim to be the body of Christ and say miracles are not for today. It doesn't work. No worky. Okay? Because everything, every time his hands touched someone who asked for healing, they got healed. Everywhere his feet went, miracles followed. And it says signs and wonders will follow them that believe, not the apostles, not the 12 disciples, them Whoever believes in him will do the same mighty works that he does and greater things because he goes to the Father. That's John 14:12. So, my only solution for this problem is to look at Jesus. Okay? That's my only solution. All right? I don't believe in like hype and things like that. I believe in looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, right? The author and finisher of faith. That's how we run the race for endurance. That's how we throw off every weight that so easily entangles, right? So we're going to look at Jesus. We've been going through the seven miracles in the Gospel of John, okay? And we talked about water into wine. We talked about uh, the nobleman's son being healed last week. And today we're going to talk about the healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, okay? Are you guys all right? Yeah, still a little swirly in here from worship. That's okay. It's good. Just keep swirling. I'm gonna, I got good sea legs. I do. It's called being drunctional. It's good. I have a I have a table, and the font on my iPad is really big. So we'll be okay. <laughs> we're gonna read John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. We have it on the screens for you because it's in the Passion Translation. Might be a translation you haven't heard of. It's new. I like it, and that's why we're using it. And so we're gonna read that whole this whole story, okay? I believe in the public reading of Scripture. Hallelujah. Come on, we need to we need to read the Bible. I believe all our theological issues would be corrected if we just read the Bible. We're trying to remember what it says. What does that really mean? Da, 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 da. Well, if you just read it, you find out. Anyway, okay. So, sorry. Our new people are like, this guy's what is wrong with him? Anyway, it's yeah, Jesus is what's wrong with me. All right. We're going to read it. All right? This is what it says. Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate, there is a pool called an Aramaic, the house of loving kindness. That's the pool of Bethesda. And this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches the paralyzed, the blind and the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool to stir the water. Say, Periodically. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would instantly be healed. Now there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years lying among the multitude of the sick. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed. For I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and you will walk. Immediately he stood up. He was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. Say, that really happened. This isn't a parable. That really happened. Come on. Now this miracle took place on the Jewish Sabbath. Say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. When the Jewish leaders saw the man walking along carrying a sleeping mat. They objected and said, what are you doing carrying that? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? It's not lawful for you to carry things on the Sabbath. That's exactly how they said it. I promise you. He answered them, the man who healed me told me to pick it up and walk. What man, they asked, who is this man who ordered you to carry something on the Sabbath? But the healed man couldn't give them an answer for he didn't yet know who it was since Jesus had already slipped away into the crowd. I love that. This is a moment where he's known as Jehovah Sneaky. Okay. Watch out. Jehovah Sneaky might get you in your chair right now. We'll see. (laughs) I hope he does anyway. Uh, He had already slipped away into the crowd. A short time later, Jesus found the man at the temple and said to him, look at you now, you're healed. Walk away from your sins so that nothing worse will happen to you because sin hurts. Then the man went to the Jewish leaders to inform them, it was Jesus who healed me. So from that day forward, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus because of the things he did on the Sabbath. Amen? Amen. What I love to do is look into these stories to find revelatory pictures. Because when God speaks, he creates. This is the word of God, and he's speaking and painting a picture for you and I. This is more than a historical account. Even though it is historically accurate, that really happened. Say that really happened. Even though it really happened, it doesn't mean we just read it and go, wow, that was nice. That was amazing. We need to get, we need to be revealed in the spirit of our minds by these passages. His words are spirit and they are life, okay? The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so you should be enlightened by the life of the word if you're reading it to find life. Let me say that again. You should be enlightened by the reading of the word if you're reading it to find life. If you're reading it to check off a box for your Bible study group, you might not find very much life. But if you're reading it to encounter the author, if you're walking through the door of the word to enter the kingdom, if you're taking care with the original FaceTime, you're going to find life because in him is life. And Jesus even said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think in them there is life. But life is standing right in front of you and you do not perceive it. So you absolutely can read the Bible and feel dead on the inside afterwards. Yes, you can. It's all about the motive of your heart. Amen. And so when I look at this story, I see pictures that bring life to me. And I want to share those pictures with you. Is that okay? All right. So I'm going to have to go really fast. Alright, this is straight meat, no potatoes, nothing. So just, we, first, the people in first will tell you it. Here we go. So if you're gonna take notes, good luck. Alright. The Pool of Bethesda, House of Loving Kindness. Don't you love it that the, the translation translates that for me? I, I like it when my translations translate stuff. <laughs> the House of Loving Kindness, that's what it's called. Listen, this is awesome because it's right inside the sheep gates, right? Say the sheep gate. The sheep gate is actually where the priest would lead the sacrificial animals into the temple. The sheep gate is where they would lead the lamb to be sacrificed into the temple. They would always lead it through that gate. Jesus, our sacrificial lamb, walked through the sheep gate and brought healing to this man. He walked through the sheep gate on purpose. Nothing in your Bible is on accident. Come on, he does things on purpose. Our God does all things well. That means on purpose, right? Come on. Oops, I walked through the sheep gate. Oh, oh there's a pool. Oh, a man. No, come on. It's all on purpose, right? Listen, this is Jesus beginning to fill the prophetic utterance of Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 5 through 7 says this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are... Healed. And listen to this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. Let me translate. Like a lamb that was led through the sheep gates. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That's obviously speaking. About the time before Pilate where he doesn't defend himself. He could have said a whole bunch of things. Do you know why Jesus was silent between his accusation, trial, and crucifixion? Because he didn't want to slow anything down. He saw you on the other side of the cross and said, let's get this over with. I need them. I need them. I need them. I'm going headlong towards that thing. If He, he could have given every reason for him not to be crucified. He could have spoken years into existence. He could have, come on. He didn't want to slow anything down. He knew when he spoke, he would create. So like a sheep before its shears, he was silent. This is the beginning of that. He entered the sheep gate in order to meet the lame man with loving kindness. Come on. Amen. Second picture is that this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. Say five. Hundreds of sick people lied under the covering of these five porches. Say covering. Covering. And they're all waiting to be healed because this is a picture of the law. There are five books of the law, the five books of the Torah. Yeah. The law will only allow for an angelic visitation. They come, they speak, they leave, right? Christ is the cornerstone that brings a habitation Stick with me here. The letter of the law kills and it's a slow death. But the love of Christ is unlimited and heals every disease. And he comes to you with it. He doesn't say come over here. He comes to where you are. He brings it to you. He's the living Torah. He's the Torah on two legs. He's the fulfillment of the law. Amen. He says, I not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill it. Say, fulfill it. Slow that down. Fully fill it. Yes. So in spirit, in the spirit, Christ walked in and fully filled those coverings so as to create a foundation. Check this out. There are coverings. The spirit, the cornerstone of God was rolled into that place and there was no gap left between the law and the people. He fulfilled it and created a stepping stone for the lame man. He filled up every low place. He filled up all the space between man and God. The coverings became a foundation because the foundation stone was rolled into the pool. He created a firm foundation. This is what true apostolic ministry does. It always gives people a lasting hand up, not a momentary handout. True apostolic ministry gives a lasting hand up, not a momentary handout, not a band-aid. Not a shot on Sunday morning so you can get through the week. This is what Brian Simmons says in his footnote uh, concerning this verse. He says, I just wrote it because it's so good. Under the shelter of religion, there are sick and lame and blind who can't be healed unless they do the work and step into the pool. They are helpless and hopeless so very near the sheep gate. But Jesus has none of the law's requirements to put upon us for our healing, only to believe in the one who is greater than angels. That's it. That's it. It's belief. The work of God is to believe. John 6, 29. Because an angel would periodically stir the waters, right? Now, let me me ask you if this sounds familiar. There would be moments of divine activity that the people would wait for and then fight to be first to experience. (laughs) He said it. There were moments of divine activity that people would wait for and then fight to be first to experience. Let me translate for you. Bethel's coming to town. I love Bethel. I'm not upset. I gotta be at the right place at the right time or I will miss my day of visitation. Old Covenant. Old Covenant. This situation calls for the first to receive a blessing, but Jesus says the last will actually be first. You don't need to be in the right place at the right time. He is all time and place. Angels visit, Christ comes to stay. You need to move from a visitation mindset to a habitation mindset. A habitation, say habitation. You shouldn't even come here for a visitation. You understand? You should bring the habitation of Christ wherever you go. Thank God we come together. I'm not upset with the gathering of the believers. It says, do not forsake the gathering of one another, even as you see the day fastly, quickly approaching. He says, don't forsake the gathering. I'm not upset about the gathering. Amen? But we can't hope for a, a divine visitation. You know what? You're the bride of Christ, not the concubine of Christ, waiting for a moment with the king. Oh, I hope he sees me. I hope I'm wearing the right everything when he comes by. Here comes Jesus. <gasps> Old covenant. Get out of the visitation mindset. Move into a habitation mindset. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus said, whoever loves he and the father, he and the father will come and make his home in them. Jesus is a homebody. He likes it in there. He's got his favorite couch spot. It's well worn. He's got his favorite, you know, clicker and, you know, he's not going anywhere. He promised to never leave you. So he won't. Amen? Amen. What more do you want? You want angels? You want to command angels and experience? I'm okay if angels show up, but I really don't need that. I'm the habitation of the Most High. You're the habitation of God. You don't even need me to pray for you. Just say, come on out. Come out, come out wherever you are. (laughs) You don't need a visitation. You have a habitation. Jesus was, you understand the Gospels are the transition point from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, right? It's the transition point. Some things ended at the cross. Some things passed through it, and some things began at the cross. You need to figure out which one of those your prayer life is. Hallelujah. I love it when it gets quiet. He, this guy was disabled for 38 years. Say 38 years. Now, that number is important because that's the exact amount of time that it took for the unbelieving generation of Israel to die in the wilderness. Yeah. Deuteronomy 2.14 says, From the time of our leaving Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the brook Zered was 38 years until the entire generation, that is the men of war, had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. The ones who did not believe the report of Caleb and Joshua, the ones who didn't believe that God's promise was enough for them to enter in. They had to die in the wilderness. Unbelief can't be counseled. It's got to (laughs) die. Just got to drop dead in the wilderness. This guy being 38 38 years lame is for me is a revelatory picture. Again, this is more more than a historical moment. This is a revelatory picture. It's a picture of your human effort having no real life giving properties. You can try and try and try and not, you know, have you ever strive and strive and strive and even in prayer and things like that and nothing happens? Well, it's because it's sometimes rooted in human effort. We have to receive every part of Christ's life by faith alone. Say faith alone. The Israelites saw with their natural eyes an impossibility and gave up. Falling into unbelief and over 38 years dying off in the wilderness. The only thing God wants you to do is believe. That's it. He's made it so simple, we can't stand it. This thing's way too simple for us well-learned folk. Way too simple for us adjusted first world people. (laughs) Yep. It's simple. Just believe. Uh, We had a workshop here, Tracy Irwin, down the front. She did an amazing job with the prophetic workshop. And she dropped this one liner on me that almost knocked me out of my chair. She said, you can hear God and not believe him. I was like, boom, that's right. I heard God a bunch of times and didn't believe a word coming out of his mouth. Amen? Anybody with me? You've heard God and not believed? Come on. Right? Yeah. He can speak. And he can create your capacity to carry what he's speaking. But until you believe it, nothing will happen. Belief happens in the heart. Amen. Okay. Jesus actually shows an example of what we would call a word of knowledge. I love that. I just like that. I lead a supernatural school. We teach people this stuff, so I feel like needing to defend some of these things like words of knowledge. I don't read the words words of knowledge in the Bible anywhere. Well, neither are airplanes. The word airplane is not in the Bible either, but you use that or cars or cell phones. Hello? Australia is not in the Bible. Does that mean it doesn't exist? I mean... Hallelujah. Jesus supernaturally knew this guy had been crippled for a long time. This is an example of a word of knowledge. He was completely God, but completely man. And he's our example on how to walk in relationship with the Father. You should expect to have supernatural knowledge about those around us in need. It's a result of being in relationship with him who knows all things. Are you following me? We've been given the mind of Christ. A lady was walking out on the way out. And I literally knew she was in pain. I said, are you in pain? She said, yes. I said, you have night terrors? She said, yes. I said, may I pray for you? She said, yes. That's how it works. Supernatural knowledge. Words of knowledge. It's not... Your tr- okay, I'm going to have a word of knowledge now. You just know. Come on, I know it's been perverted. I know it's been misused. I know psychics and mediums exist and things like that, but that's the perversion. We're talking about the pure version. Jesus did it. He's our example. Amen. All right. Oh, Lord. I have to speed up. (laughs) Okay. No, I'm not skipping anything. You're going to get it all. Here we go. Jesus asked this guy, do you want to be well? Do you truly long to be healed? Seems like an obvious answer, right? He's laying next to the pool where the angel thing happens and he's waiting his turn, right? He says, do you want to be healed? But Jesus wasn't just asking him that question. You know, how you ask a question, but there's a question within the question. If you're married and you're a man and you don't know this yet, let me help you. Sometimes she asks you a question, but there's a question within the question. And it's your job to be Discerning. And lead your, your house in the spirit, because the only way to know what's going on in there. <laughs> amen? I'm trying to help you. I'm Sometimes there's a question within the question, amen? And so, he says, do you want to be healed? But Jesus was actually asking if he was ready to abandon the way he sees himself. I'm going to say something really controversial, so I want to be really clear. I want to be clearly controversial. All right? So I need your help. Say this with me. Some Some people. That's what I'm about to say. Some people stay sick because they're more afraid of what their life will look like without their illness. You can easily get your identity wrapped up in that diagnosis. Some people, say some people, do not want to be well. It's the truth. If they get well, they no longer get that check in the mail and they have to go get a job. Let me hit something a little closer to home. If they get well, they never—they no longer get that sympathy at the family gathering. They no longer are out from the responsibilities of their family any longer they actually have to step up and contribute scott's talking about this in february so i don't want to steal all this thunder this is just a setup okay but their life situation would be so drastically different and it's an unknown right like it's unknown so they choose the comfort of the known jesus was testing this man's heart to see if he was ready to gain an entirely new identity he would no longer be the crippled man you understand he, everything would have to change. Now here's another really interesting part about this question. The Greek phrase is actually not in the future tense. Do you want to be well? It's not in the future tense. It's actually in the, in the present infinitive error. I can't say that word. I don't know. I don't, some grammar thing. Anyway, the thing you need to know is the grammar of the Greek actually indicates something that has already been accomplished. And is presently available. The lamb already entered through the sheep gate, you guys. You can literally translate this. Are you convinced that you're already made whole? That's a legal translation of what Jesus said. Are you convinced that you're already made whole? Are you convinced? Come on. This now, I want to be very clear about this. This is actually different from the miracle previously, last week. Remember John 4, verse 50? He says to the the nobleman, he says, your son will live and not die. That was in the future tense, right? So in the previous miracle, Jesus said something will happen soon. In this miracle, he asked the guy if he believed it already had happened. Okay? Listen, John 5, 19, later in this passage, Jesus says, I only do what the Father is doing and say what the Father is saying. You need to hear this. Endeavor to never default. Endeavor in your heart to never default. Oh, I prayed this way once. I'm going to try it again. (laughs) The cookie cutter thing is actually hurting people and cutting them, not healing them. Okay. you. There is no cookie cutter solution. Jesus didn't default. There's no defaulting in the kingdom. We want a formula. God wants a relationship. This harms people. Because then we come up with really dumb, (laughs) trying, really dumb theological positions like, oh, I need you to agree with me. Let me ask you a question How much agreement did Lazarus have? Just gonna let it. The doctrine of agreement, it totally breaks down in the Lazarus story. Homeboy was dead. How does he agree with anything? This is what happens. We use our formulas. We use our systems and we forget the spirit. We use our cookie cutters. And then we come up with excuses why it didn't work. We say, oh, you just don't have agreement. You don't have enough faith. That is damaging the move of God in the earth. It's not helping. Please stop. Jesus always blamed the one who was praying if it didn't happen. So all you're doing is shirking the responsibility that Jesus is trying to give you. And my point is, you can't default. You, you can't use this story to be like, okay, anyone who's sick, I need to say, do you believe you're already well? Don't say you're sick. Do you believe you're already healed? Do you believe you're already healed? Do you believe you've already been made whole? That's just another default. That's just another system that Jesus never had. He did what the Father was doing. He said what the Father was saying. We cannot default. Amen? Say, I'm not going to default. Moving on. Jesus told this guy to take up his sleeping mat on the Sabbath. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) On the day of rest, Jesus commanded him to put away his method of rest. And enter the rest of God. Listen, there's a man-made rest that actually doesn't release life to you. And you may be thinking you're resting in faith, but you're actually resting in your comfort zone. You may think you're resting in faith, but if it doesn't produce life, if it doesn't rejuvenate you, you're actually just in what you know to be comfortable. You don't necessarily want to be well. I said necessarily. Say some people. Those other Christians over there, all the ones on Facebook. Right? Definitely no one here. Certainly no one here. Amen. Yeah. Listen, a Sabbath rest actually looks different for everyone, okay? I know people who mow their lawn on their day off, and they call that rest. I call that my own personal version of AT Double Hockey Sticks, okay? I pay people. I pay people to do that for me. I pay someone to mow my lawn. It came in my rent. It was one of the selling points for the house, all right? I was like, somebody mows the lawn if I pay my rents. Yes, please, Lord, you know? Come on, I hate that. But some people find life in that. That rejuvenates them. Amen. You may need to literally sleep with no alarm clock. That might be your day of rest. Amen. It's okay. Yeah, a man is like, preach. Yeah, just in the back, I saw those hands go up. Listen, my point is you need to seek the Lord and ask him what entering his rest looks like. Amen. Rest is not inactivity. It's an active participation with the voice of God. It's an active participation with what he told you to do. Amen. Amen. So this obviously ticked off the religious Pharisees. They were angry because he was carrying his sleeping mat on the Sabbath. They ignored the miracle for the sake of their tradition. Careful. Careful now. Obeying the voice of the Lord is what brings true rest for your soul, not the voice of man or the voice of tradition. They asked him, who told you to pick up his mat and walk? And again, they ignored the fact that he was able to pick up his mat and actually walk. (laughs) What is going on here? This is called the religious spirit. It will blind you to the miraculous. It will blind you to the miraculous. Come on. They cared more about accusing this healer than celebrating the healing. That's what the religious spirit does. It seeks to accuse when it's time to celebrate. It looks for flaws instead of celebrating strength delivered to the frail. The religious spirit doesn't know how to celebrate the victory of another. Let me tell, let me help you if you're stuck with a religious spirit or religious mindset. I'll tell you how you know if you can't celebrate someone else being blessed. Especially in the way you're hoping to be blessed. Hallelujah. Let me say it like Abraham. Hallelujah. Feels more spiritual that way. Anyway, listen, this is great. The formerly crippled man didn't even know who to give credit to for the miracle. He didn't even know who to give credit to. Jesus didn't seem all too concerned with telling the man who he was. You know, there's like pushback on the faith community for praying for the sick and not leading them in a prayer or something like that. Like if you pray for the sick, you have to lead them in the prayer. Jesus didn't even have that standard. I can't even find the prayer of salvation. Anybody? You can use my Bible, please. We can't be overly concerned with everyone around us getting it. We have to be overly concerned with doing what the Father is doing. Saying what the Father is saying. He knows all the facts. He's good at this thing. Jesus didn't have him pray a prayer. He didn't have him confess his sins. He didn't have him go through a religious ritual of any kind. He simply healed him and just walked away. It actually says he slipped away into the crowd. Jehovah sneaky. Add it again. Listen, you need to learn to carry the testimony instead of delivering a bunch of bragamonies. Some people are praying for the sick so they can put it on Facebook. Not okay. Come on. Jesus came to him later and he said, hey, look at you. You're well. That's awesome. He encouraged him and he sent the man to the Jewish leaders to tell them, right? There's always a divine strategy to God's timing. He reveals things when it's best to reveal them. And we must partner with his voice to know what that time is. There's no defaulting in the kingdom. Are you hearing my point today? This there's no defaulting. We have to continue listening. One time, I, I, yeah, I'm i not saying you shouldn't share a testimony. One time, I pray—I was in line waiting for the healing meetings to start. And we were all around the, the building. We were wrapped around the building because it was there was a line to get in the building. And I'm in line with this guy. He's stuck with me. You know, kind of like people on airplanes. They're just stuck there. So, you know, they're going to get Jesus. Anyway, he's sitting there. And I say, hey, do you have any pain in your body? He's like, yeah, I had an operation, car wreck, my neck. I can't put my ear to my shoulder. I can't move my neck that way. He's like doing this. And he's like, and it's in a lot of pain. I have to take crazy pain meds. It's like, can I pray for you. I prayed for him. He got totally healed. And he went, I can do this now. It was It was crazy. Crazy. Miracle. Okay. And I felt in my spirit, it was time to testify. And I was confused by that. I'm like, there's no, this is not, we're not in the meeting yet, Lord. We're outside the building. You know, don't you have like some GPS on me? Don't you know where I am? It's not time to testify yet. And he's like, testify. So I just said to the guy, hey, would you you want to testify? He's like, yeah. And he just walks out to the crowd and he like looks at me. He's looking at the line. He looks at me and I walk up to him like, hey, everybody. Check it out. This guy's neck just got healed. And he tells him what happened. And everybody claps. It's just the line, you know. And I'm like, does anybody else have pain? And five people come walking out. And I stand there. I'm like, you she prayed pray for these people. I'm like, I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants. I'm like, if you want to see a miracle, come out here and pray for them. They're like, what? Will we lose our spot in line? I don't know what's going on. I thought the meeting was inside the building. I don't know what's going on. I'm just following the Holy Ghost. It's like a like a crazy goose chase sometimes. Wild goose chase sometimes. <laughs> They're looking at me like for instructions. I'm like, just pray. Somebody pray. Four out of the five of them got completely, totally healed. That was crazy one of them didn't one of them didn't in that moment I'm okay to tell you and they prayed and then I prayed and it was like nothing okay I don't know God knows what he's doing come on I tell you that just to say I'm not against testimony we testify to miracles we do that I'm just saying do what he's doing Present tense. This is, I wrote a book about this called Living in Dependenceville. This is not an ad. This is a life call. Please stop defaulting. Please get a listening ear. Please endeavor to check with the master. Stop running around without marching orders. Stop it. We need people yielded to the Spirit of God. People with a listening ear who will only do what he's doing no matter what it looks like. Sometimes Jesus spit in the mud, made mud for the guy's eyeballs and healed him. I'm not spitting in the mud and making mud for anybody's bad eyes until Jesus tells me to. Hallelujah. Right? Come on. We need to listen and do what he's doing. All right. Final point. This is the beginning of the Jewish leader's persecution of Jesus, right? For the things he did on the Sabbath. This is what got Jesus in more hot water than anything else. Are you ready? Disrupting religious routine. That's what got him in more trouble than anything else. Be careful... Not to quickly react when your spiritual schedule is interrupted. Be careful not to react in anger when your Christian calendar is challenged. Uh huh. We expect it at this point in the gathering oh, here comes that song. I'm about to get the goosebumps. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. I'm trying to help. We can't, we can so easily fall into these. Empty routines. You think you don't have routines, but you do. We're creatures of habit. Part of being a habitation is having healthy habits. I'm not against it. But when you look to the habit to be your source, something's wrong. Any system not in submission to the Spirit of God is pure evil. Any system not in submission to the Spirit of God is pure evil because it replaces the Spirit. Don't do it. God loves divine disruption. I think he actually really likes it. I think it's his favorite thing to do. He's like, oh, they made a box for me. (laughs) Gabriel, come here. Look at that little box. (laughs) (laughs) Michael. (laughs) The archangels, you know what I'm talking about. Like, they think I fit in there. Ah." (laughs) Woo. Hey. And he's like, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing. Watch this. Explodes the box. (laughs) I think it's his favorite thing to do. It's like, it's so cute. It's like you pray the same way five times, number six, it doesn't work. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm not doing that anymore. Because you don't need me. God wants a relationship, not a ritual. I don't have time to read them, but write these down Isaiah one eleven through seventeen he actually goes on to say, "I hate your rituals. He says, "I hate your worship because it's not rooted in love, it's rooted in empty routine. He does he actually says, "I cannot bear endure iniquity and solemn assembly. let me try. he needs one or the other. he can't deal with your sin. And with your solemnness at the same time. He just can't. He's like, I can't. I can't deal with it. He says, stop bringing me this stuff. He said, I'll hide my eyes when you pray. I can't stand it. This is Isaiah 1, 11 through 17. Isaiah 58, 5 through 8, he goes on to say that even the fasting and all this stuff, the way you go about fasting and everything like that is tiresome to him. He can't stand it. He hates it. What's my point? God hates empty ritual. He hates Empty ritual. I'm not saying that habits are bad. I'm not saying that it, uh, Spiritual disciplines are inappropriate. I'm saying he hates empty ritual He wants a personal relationship. He's a God of order not of chaos Some people think freedom means no boundaries wrong wrong God is not a god of chaos. That verse means instability. You understand? When there are no boundaries, there's no stability. Let a kid have no boundaries, see what happens. No, you can run out in the street, it's fine. Play in traffic, great. That's evil. It's not a good father. He puts boundaries on us for our benefit. And when it's when you run past the boundary he set up that you get harmed. I don't need your boundary. Bang. And then you're like, God is punishing me. No, you are punishing you. (laughs) The wrath of God is on display in my life. Well, his wrath is just letting you have your own way. That's what it says in the book of Romans. He handed them over to their own desires and relented. Let them have their own way. Like, okay, that's going to kill you. Fine. I'll be here to heal you. Let me tie a bow on this because I'm already running behind. Are you ready? I'm going to give you some just wrap it up with these statements. Are you ready? Are you okay? I told you it was a lot. Sorry. I'm just trying to obey the Lord, you know? God is the one who initiates everything. You don't pursue God. He pursues you. He comes in through the sheep gate and meets you with an ocean of loving kindness. God does not want to cover you. He wants to cleanse you and hide you in himself. The law made provision for our sins to be covered. But the fulfillment of the law made provision for us to be cleansed by his love. The blood of Jesus is a cleansing, not a covering. It's a cleansing. We are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Okay. We are the habitation of God, not those who wait for a visitation. We are the bride of Christ, not the concubines concubines of Christ who beg for a moment with the king. No matter how hard you try, the only lasting healing will come from his hand and his way. Unbelief had to fall dead in the wilderness, and so you must choose this day whom you will serve, life or death. God has provided every healing, say every healing, in the sacrifice of Jesus. It's his wounding that heals us, not our blood, sweat, and tears. It's his willing that heals us, not our prayer meetings, fastings, or Bible readings. It's his wounds that heal us, not our blood, sweat, and tears. The true rest of God comes from obeying his voice, not the voice of man. We need to be willing to let God reveal the mighty acts of his people at his time and in the right setting. Otherwise, our testimonies will just turn into bragamonies. Finally, the religious spirit will blind you with the, de- with the desire they will be blinded by the religious spirit with a desire to accuse others instead of celebrate the work of God. That's what it does. The religious spirit blinds you with the desire to accuse others instead of celebrating the work of God. Pure and undefiled religion takes care of widows and orphans and keep yourself from being defiled by the world. That word there for the world is the system of the world. The way of thinking of the world. That's James 1.27. So there is a pure version of religion. I'm very religious. I'm going in in 3 weeks to Israel and we're going to care for widows and orphans. So we're going to do. I do that every year. Religiously. <laughs> Listen, it's about being legalistic. It's a, it's a, it's a perversion of the pure version. Amen. Amen. So, as we see Jesus healing this man from this this long standing thing. whoo, Shabbat, I just got a thing (laughs) some of you have had a sickness for a very long time some of you have been asking for prayer for a very long time and you stopped asking because you got tired you stopped asking for prayer you stopped going down to altar calls that happened to my wife she had a 10-year heart condition and she had stopped responding to altar calls because she went to so many every time she's at church all this stuff she's like i'm done with i'm done asking for prayer and then the Lord forced her to an altar, and there I was. That's how we met, by the way. Yeah. I tell single guys, hey, you want to meet women? Just get on the prayer team. It's good. So. Ha. Ah. That was a joke. Everybody signing up for the prayer team. Lord have mercy. No. She comes down and it actually wasn't in her paradigm. She grew up in a place that said women pray for women, men pray for men, that kind of thing. Anyway, it was just breaking all her boxes. And she got healed. That's how we met. She got healed of a 10-year heart condition where she couldn't have caffeine or anything like that. She'd have heart attack symptoms. Totally healed. Completely set free. She's been healed ever since for five years. Come on. But she had given up. She had given up going down for prayer. She had stopped. And if she hadn't gone down for prayer that day, she'd still be where she is. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not necessarily, you know. You have to partner with the voice of God. If he's saying today's your day, then come and get it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.